Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or Walmart.com. It is a birth story episode. This one is about a long but very fulfilling unmedicated hospital birth. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN physician, certified integrative health coach, and creator of the Birth Preparation Course, an online childbirth education class that will leave you feeling knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only, and it's not a substitute for medical advice. See the full disclaimer at ncrcoaching.com forward slash disclaimer. Well, hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 45, and I'm so glad you are here with me today. So in today's episode, we have a birth story episode. You guys know these are some of my favorite episodes. And today we have Lynn Turcotte Shu. She is going to share how she had a completely unmedicated hospital birth. And although it took 53, yes, 
53 hours, she is still very happy and satisfied with her experience. And in fact, she was so happy with her experience that she left her job as a marine mammal trainer and founded Happy Mama Wellness, where she is known as the toddler trainer. She's a certified childbirth educator. She's also a parenting coach, and her mission is to help parents better understand themselves and their children so that they can spend less time yelling and more time connecting. Lynn is highly passionate about helping mamas find their power and trust their instincts during pregnancy, birth, and beyond. I had such a great time chatting with her today, and I know you are going to enjoy our conversation as well. Now, before we get into today's episode, let me do a quick listener shout out. This is to one Natalie Gomez and the title of her review that she left me in Apple podcast is so thankful. And the review says this podcast has been so helpful and informational. I am so thankful for your insight into the world of birth and pregnancy. I wish more doctors and nurses were as up to date on this information as you This year, my husband and I are trying to conceive and I already signed up for your birth plan course. I'm sure you have a full plate as a wife, mom, doctor, and now your podcast, but thank you for this. I love it so much. Well, thank you so much for that kind review, one Natalie Gomez. I wish you and your husband well as you start your family this year. It is awesome that you're being so proactive, including signing up for my free class on how to make a birth plan. Now, speaking of that free class, I have an announcement to make about it. I got a lot of feedback that women were interested in the class, but it was hard to make the time. So what I've done is I have converted the class to an on-demand class where it's offered several times each day and you can sign up for a time that works best for you. So just go to ncrcoaching.com forward slash register. Of course, that link will be in the show notes and sign up for the class. It's chock full of information to help you make a birth plan that works to help you have the birth you want. Women absolutely love this class. It's 100% free. So sign up today. I hope this new way is more convenient for you so you can get this great information. It is not too early to start thinking about making your birth plan. So go ahead and go to ncrcoaching.com forward slash register and sign up for a class. Now, remember, this class is also a great way to kind of check out my signature program, the birth preparation course. The birth preparation course is a comprehensive online childbirth education class that gives you everything you need to be knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered for your hospital birth. You can learn more about the class at ncrcoaching.com forward slash enroll, or definitely check out the free class ncrcoaching.com forward slash register to kind of get a feel for it. All right, so let's go ahead and hop into today's birth story episode with Lynn. Well, thanks so much, Lynn, for coming on to the podcast. I am super excited to have you share your birth story with us. I'm excited to be here and to share my story for sure. So why don't you start off by telling us a bit about you and your family? Sure. So um, my wife and I have been together for almost 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, And I just turned 41, so pretty much half of my lifetime. And we've been married for 10, and we knew from the beginning that we wanted to have children, but um, obviously we need to to have some help. (laughs) We are missing part of the (laughs) formula. (laughs) So um, 
Our journey, before we even got pregnant, we went through about two years of just testing and prep work and counseling and all that kind of stuff. So we have um, one uh, daughter. She's going to turn six in two weeks. I can't believe it. Time <laughs> flies. Yeah. Um, and then we have one angel baby that is uh, about a year ahead of her. So we had a, um, a miscarriage about a year ahead of her. And... So other than that, we're pretty a normal family. Gotcha. <laughs> we have the same experiences as any other married person, any other mom. There <laughs> you go. I hear. Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry about your angel baby. I don't think I realized that when we scheduled the interview. How far along were you when you had a miscarriage? Um, I was about 12 weeks and it was actually an ectopic pregnancy. Oh. Um, so like my numbers were kind of all over the place. They weren't quite sure if it was going to be viable or not. So we spent like, because we were doing um, the, uh, the <laughs> like insemination, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so because we were doing that, like you knew the instant we were pregnant, right? Like they're tracking things way earlier than anyone should even be starting to track things. Right. And so it was just this roller coaster of like, oh my gosh, we're pregnant. And then, oh, but the number's not good. Oh, but the number got better. Oh, but now it went down. It was just like this crazy three, really long three months. And um, they started to suspect that it was an ectopic pregnancy. And so they said, you know, watch for vomiting or abdominal pains and all this kind of stuff. And um, sure enough, I was at work one day and I, I started to feel really nauseous and I, I vomited and I was like, I need to call a doctor. Something just didn't feel right. Like I just knew. Right. And we had an ultrasound that day and it confirmed an ectopic pregnancy. So they did the methotrexate injection. Uh -huh. Yep. In hindsight, right? Because when, you, when you're in the situation, everything's heightened emotions. But in hindsight, I'm so grateful for that because the other option would have been surgery. So we went through that and it took about a week and a half for my HCG levels to drop and the pregnancy to be over. Um, and then we had to wait another three or four months before we could even try again. But we got pregnant on that very next try with my daughter. Um, and the ectopic pregnancy experience, the, the motion of it actually is kind of what led me down the more unmedicated natural birthing path in the first place because so I was like I don't like I just want to listen to my body gotcha. <laughs> my, I, I trust my body it told me what was going on before I just want to be able to trust it again so. okay cool yeah I don't think we do a good enough job of understanding the impact that um of pregnancy loss related to ectopic pregnancy I don't I don't think we appreciate that enough yeah, I didn't even know what it was. And I this is probably getting a little off topic, but I'm I try to be really open about my experiences, even if I get emotional, because I feel like pregnancy loss in general is just not something we discuss and it mm -hmm. happens so often. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, but we when we tried to have a second child after my daughter was born, she was about three, and I went through seven cycles and we had three early miscarriages. Um, in those seven cycles, but I don't even really like count those as losses <laughs> in my brain because they were so early. If we had been not doing fertility, I wouldn't have even thought I was pregnant because right. I would have just got married. And so it was very different than the ectopic experience, which we knew that we were pregnant. 
we weren't sure what was happening when it came down to it, even though there wasn't really a choice, like in a rational choice, I still felt like I was choosing my life over my babies, which mm. was really difficult for me. Sure. Um, in the moment. So I tried to be really open about that experience because I know there's a lot of other moms going through it, but. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's a really interesting concept. And we are getting off topic a little bit, but I think it's important <laughs> um, that of choosing your life over your baby's life. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, it's ridiculous when you think about it, because if we had let the pregnancy go on, neither one of us would have made it. Like, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't an actual choice. Right, right, but, right. But in the moment, that's what you felt. Yeah, absolutely. And when I was like, I'm a mom and this is my baby and I would gladly give my life so that my baby could live. Right. So that was kind of where my mindset was, even though that wasn't reality. Gotcha. 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 (laughs) Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual, their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. So, well, I'm glad that you were able to get pregnant fairly quickly after that. Yeah, we were surprised, obviously like a little nervous, but um, my levels when I, in, in the pregnancy where we had my daughter, they were like, they were like tripling in just a few days. So our, our doctor was very quick to be like, this one's okay. Like this was nothing like the last one. Right. Your numbers are crazy high. Like this is, you can breathe. <laughs> you can breathe. <laughs> now you're just in normal like pregnancy risk. <laughs> now you're just where everyone else would be. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I'm guessing you probably felt some relief when you had that first ultrasound that showed a heartbeat. Absolutely. We actually saw a heartbeat with the ectopic pregnancy. Um, oh. Just crazy. But to see it in the right place and like <laughs> see everything being what it was supposed to be was uh, it was, I can't even describe it, the, that feeling. It was like relief and excitement and like, oh my gosh, this is real. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's unusual to see a uh, heartbeat with an ectopic pregnancy. So you yeah. def- definitely had a little bit of differentness going on there. Yeah, they were really surprised because that was part of the reason that they were confused because they kept doing the 
um, internal ultrasounds and they could see like a little sack and they could hear the heartbeat, but they're like, that doesn't look like it's in the uterus. And it was just, it was just weird. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently I'm in the exception to all the rules. <laughs> uh, so when you find out you're pregnant and things are going well, what did you decide to do for your prenatal care? Did you see a physician? Did you see a midwife? What did, what did you choose? I knew right away that I wanted to go with a midwife. I I feel like how do I want to put this? I just feel like, just say it, say it. I pro- my feelings won't be hurt if it has no, something to not, do with physicians. No, it's not that at all. Um, just in general, I feel like Western medicine doesn't try to get to the root cause of things. I feel mm. like a lot of doctors are just like, let's fix the symptom. Yep. And so I tend to look for more middle of the road practitioners that obviously Western medicine is needed in some cases, but not in all. And so I try to look for practitioners that see that balance. So I was immediately drawn more to a midwife than an obstetrician, but we were in a practice that had both so that if there was a complication, um, if we had to go to cesarean, I had met with the OBs that would be doing that. So that was kind of peace of mind for me. Got it. Got it. But our primary care was a midwife and she knew that um, we wanted to try and go unmedicated and we really wanted to have a vaginal birth if at all possible with minimal interventions. And she was really supportive of all of that. Awesome. Now, did you Now, what part of the country are you in? We live in Connecticut. Okay. Okay. Some parts of the country don't have access to midwives, unfortunately, but yeah. And so, but it's, it's great that you had had that option available and felt comfortable with the, having the backup piece as well. Um, So how did you feel about your prenatal care? I was really happy with it. Um, There was a couple of visits toward the end of the pregnancy. And I feel like multi-doctor practices try to do this where you kind of rotate through everybody. Just just because you're going to see who's on call, right? Right. Yep. (laughs) And a couple of those uh, visits were really frustrating for me because I had gone through this, you know, my wife and I, we, we, a a team effort, um, we had gone through this whole pregnancy, um, seeing um, one of the two midwives and we really built up a rapport and they knew our, what our vision was. They knew what our hopes were. And then we would randomly get thrown in with this OB towards the end who we would say things and they would be like, oh, that's not possible. And Mm. I would, in my head, I'd say, but our midwife's been telling us this whole time that like that was fine. So that was just a little bit confusing. Sure. But it wasn't like, it didn't put us off or anything. We just kind of let it roll off of our shoulders. So for the most part, I was really thrilled with the care that we got and that people were actually listening to us. Like I felt heard, which I think was really important for me. That's important for every woman. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the things that you wanted for your birth? And then when you threw out those things, the feedback you got from some of the physicians that was sort of like, uh, okay, like that's not what we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of just something right off the top of my head. Okay. So we, we were very big on, um, not wanting to have any IV fluids unless needed. I was like, I will, I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but we did the Bradley method for uh, childbirth prep. So we, I mean, my wife and I had basically like gone to school, right? right? For 12 (laughs) weeks, we were learning about my body and like the process of birth and, you know, all these different things that may or may not happen. 
And so I felt like I was coming from a semi-educated place. So I had talked to my midwives at length about wanting to really try to stay hydrated orally, right? At home, I would drink plenty of fluids. And when we got to the hospital, because I am not a good patient in the hospital. (laughs) I knew that going in. um, And like needles and being hooked up to things, like it just, my anxiety just skyrockets. And so I was coming from that place, knowing that if I got anxious and fearful, here comes the adrenaline, and now everything's kind of (laughs) shot. So from that standpoint, I was like, can we just not, like, the less machines I'm hooked up to, the more calm I'm going to be. That's kind of where. Yeah. And you were pretty healthy and low risk other other than. I was old. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, at 35, <laughs> which but... is, is so rude and disrespectful, the terms <laughs> that we use, no. but <laughs> no. so other than that, everything was great. I was healthy. And so the, one of the OBs, our first appointment with them, uh, you know, we were, it was a great rapport. We were felt comfortable with them. And then they had said something about, well, when you get to the hospital, you'll be on IV fluids anyway. So you don't have to worry about X, Y, or Z. And I said, we are going to just do a heparin lock and hopefully not have to go on fluids. And the do- and the OB was like, no, we put everybody on fluids. And I was like, that's not what the pitch said. It is not necessary. Like, it totally is not necessary. So that's my soapbox moment. But Yay, thank you for that. So that was just an example of what probably seemed completely really little and insignificant to them. That like that just is just what we do. We just put people on fluids so they aren't hydrated. To me, I was like, oh my god, now I'm gonna be hooked up to an IV pole and I'm gonna have to drag this thing around and I'm gonna have a needle in me and like that like started just cause anxiety for me. And then the next point, we were back with the midwife and she's like, no, don't pay attention. Like <laughs> <It's really laughs> fine, I'm gonna write it down for you. And so you know, it made it a little bit better. But so it wasn't huge things but they were huge for me. Yeah, it makes total sense. And then the conflicting information is, is, you know, a little bit confusing as well. So I can totally see that. So I'm guessing it sounds like you just wanted lower intervention. So to be not connected to as much stuff as possible, maybe intermittent monitoring or wireless monitoring if possible. Did you want to do, I'm sure be able to move around as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. When I started looking for a childbirth, like prep, type course, I had said to my wife that I really wanted a home birth because I wanted to feel safe and I wanted to, you know, make sure that I could keep my body calm and not get into that anxiety state. And my my mother, God bless her, actually like literally had an intervention, like literally brought family members to my house and staged an intervention. Oh, stop. And, Not the and, circle of everybody yeah, around you. Like, like legit, like a legit intervention. And she said, it's not safe. You're going to put yourself and your baby in danger if you have a home birth. And I just was like, what? What, what? are you talking about? <laughs> Do you like, I love you, but you have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. I think she was thinking I was just going to go in the backyard and have a baby. I'm trying not to laugh at this. Yeah, no, it was, it was comical. So I was respectful. Like I tried to be polite and respectful, but at the same time, I was like, no, this is not like you, I will send you the research. Like this is not, I was like, I'm still like, there's a still a midwife there. There's still like, it's not like I'm just in the middle of the woods. Um, 
Yeah. But after that, my wife came up to me and said, I will do whatever you want, but a home birth makes me a little nervous as well. Okay. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, your opinion matters. Right. <laughs> like, um, so we sought out Bradley. And so my goal was to kind of have as close to a home birth experience in a hospital setting. That's kind of what my vision was. Yep. Yep. So you decided to use the Bradley method for preparation. Um, how do you feel about that? Or how did it work for you? Uh, it worked great, but I, I know like in the core of my being that it worked great because my wife and I put in the work ahead of time. So we were super diligent about every single day doing relaxation practice. And, you know, a couple of times a week we would do a labor rehearsal and try out different positions. And we like, we really were like, we are preparing for a marathon and this is the work we need to put in. And I had a really physically strenuous job and I very vividly remember people being like, oh, let me get that for you or let me do this for you. And I'd be like, no, I'm training for a marathon. Get up, like, stop. I need, like, my body to be strong. Stop trying to do things for me. Right. So I, like, we really had that mentality about it. And so when the day came, I was physically prepared, mentally prepared, emotionally prepared because we had put in the work. So I've seen other families, because I taught Bradley for a, a couple of years. I don't anymore. Um, but I saw a couple families go through it. And they were like, the curriculum helped, but I just didn't feel ready. And so I kind of called them out and said, well, did you do all the stuff we talked about each week? And they'd be like, no, not really. Or, you know, so, um, I feel like with anything in life that you kind of get out what you put in. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's why it worked so well for us. But the the curriculum itself was great, and I I felt really prepared and educated, for sure. Okay, okay, got it, got it. So did you do anything else other than Bradley to prepare? Um, No, well, we took a hospital tour so that we could visualize where where everything was going to happen. I feel like that helped a lot with my anxiety, (laughs) at least. Yeah. Um, But other than that, we just followed the exercises and nutrition and the, the relaxation stuff that Bradley was providing for us. Got it. Okay. Uh, it sounds like you did so much of the, obviously you were very prepared and you also paid attention to that mental piece and creating, creating the right energy surrounding your birth. Cause that really makes a difference. I tried hard. So I'm hoping that's what made the difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to think all those hours of effort and practice were really for nothing. So. Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> so why don't we get into what was your labor and birth like? Let's get all the details. Yeah, absolutely. It was long. <laughs> it's really long. But I always tell people when I'm telling my story or sharing my story that I feel like you either have a really short, intense labor or you have like a really long, not super intense labor. Mm. Like, I feel like the faster it goes, the more intense it is. That's often so true. Yeah. In some ways, I'm I'm glad that I had such a long labor. But I I had um, it's prodromal labor. Is that the name of it? Where yep. like really extended early um, labor. So I was getting real labor contractions, not Braxton Hicks but they were just sporadic all over the place for about two weeks before things kicked into a pattern. Okay. 
And I actually was a marine mammal trainer. Oh. <laughs> or I had my daughter. So I was on stage, on microphone, like talking to thousands of people at a time, working with sea, sea lions. And I have very, like it was yesterday, kind of memories of having to say into the microphone, you know, and my friend Jen is going to take over for me for just a moment. And I would walk backstage and have a contraction. And then I would come back out on stage <laughs> and like, be like, and I'm back. And here we go. And just kind of, it was like, it was just like a, a comedy of, it was funny. So, right. so I worked right up until really the pattern started to kick in. And I, I told my supervisor, I said, I'm not coming back. This is, I'm going on my weekend. I'm not coming back. So just, just know. Right, right. <laughs> this is like, this is it. I'll see you in a few months. And how many weeks were you? I was um, 39 weeks. So my daughter came just a, just a week early. Okay. So on a Saturday morning, my contractions were starting to get into a good pattern. So they are about like 15, 20 minutes or so apart. So it was something we could actually time at that point. And I made the mistake, the, talk about lessons, this is one of the lessons, I made the mistake of calling my mom and my sister and telling them that, and they live over an hour away, so that piece of the story will be coming, but I told them, oh, contractions are in a pattern now, so we'll keep you posted, and so my wife and I just were at home, and I was just kind of doing whatever my body was was telling me, I did a lot of standing I, we have like a banister the, at the bottom of our staircase. I did a lot of just kind of leaning over the banister and swaying back and forth. I was on our birth ball. I was in our tub. Like I just was kind of all over the place, just trying to go about my day and not really get too worked up about anything um, in either direction. And very, very slowly, the contractions started to come closer together. And then I went to sleep on Saturday night because I was really tired and they they didn't stop. But like I could sleep for an hour or two and not really feel anything. Um, So I got a couple hours of sleep on Saturday night. And then early on Sunday morning, I woke up and things were getting a little more intense. And so I woke my wife up and I was like, we need to like, I need you now. (laughs) I need need you to like be my my coach now. Um, Whereas. On Saturday, I was kind of, she was there. And if she tried to leave the house, I was like, where are you going? But I didn't really need her <laughs> to, like, do anything with me. I just needed her to be there. So on Sunday, um, we were just kind of doing our relaxation stuff that we had practiced. And the contractions continued to get closer and closer together. And around 5 o'clock on Sunday evening, the contractions were about five minutes apart and I started to get nauseous, like really nauseous. And I started to um, vomit, which is, I now understand is a good sign, right? It actually is. Yes. <laughs> um, at the mo- in the moment you're like, Oh my God, can this get worse? But um, you know, it was a good thing. So after like the second or third time that I had gone into the bathroom, I came out and I looked at my wife and I said, it's time to go. Like <laughs> you need it. It's time to go. So we got everything ready, um, got in the car, we drove to the hospital. We actually called our Bradley instructor on the way to the hospital just to like confirm that we were right. <laughs> ready and doing the right thing. And um, when we arrived at the hospital, my mother, my aunt, and my sister were in the waiting room as we walked past. Okay. 
Because when I called on Saturday morning, they had come down and rented a hotel room next to the hospital so that they could be there like the second we called and sent it. Oh. <laughs> we were- so I, I like, I know. So I kind of like waved and was like, okay, they're here. And I just kept going because <laughs> I was in my own little thing. Right. I was getting really frustrated when we got to the hospital. I, I feel like at least 10 people, and I'm not really exaggerating, were asking me, do you want a wheelchair? Do you need a wheelchair? Do I, and I was like, no, I'm not crippled. Like, right. I'm just I'm just pregnant. pregnant. Right. <laughs> like, let me, I need to walk. I need to keep moving. Just stop asking me that. But it did take, we had to stop many times on the way to the maternity unit because um, I was having contractions. So they admitted me contractions were like really close together. Um, I was about six centimeters dilated. Oh, nice. Faint. Yeah, I was really excited about it. And um, my daughter was still pretty high up in station. But other than that, they were like, this is great. And the, the doctor was on call because it was a weekend. He made the mistake of saying, we'll have a baby tonight. So I always say it was his fault. Those were yeah. his famous words. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, again, really tired. And I was trying to get some sleep. And... I honestly don't even remember this nurse's name, and this is not all nurses because the next um, shift was amazing, um, but this one particular nurse, she kept coming in and um, flipping the lights on in the room and waking me up because I had the, the telemetry on. I had the wireless waterproof monitors, so she kept saying your contractions are, are like spreading out, that you, we can't have that happen. And I just kept looking at her and saying, but I'm just tired. Like, I'm just so tired. <laughs> and so all Sunday night was just this back and forth, back and forth. And my I could feel my anxiety going up. I could feel my stress going up. Right. And so when the midwife came on shift on Monday morning now, um, around 830, she checked me and I was only seven centimeters. <laughs> I'd only gone one centimeter overnight. And so I was that like, was in like, oh, like over 12 out yes oh yep okay so I looked at her and she she was like you look exhausted what you know did you sleep at all last night and I told her what had happened and she said oh no (laughs) no that is not acceptable she Mm -hmm. said I'm turning the lights off you are getting in the bed and no one is coming in this room for a couple of hours like you will close your eyes and so I really think that made all the difference because I I felt safer I felt like she was listening to me and like, okay, I can go to sleep. And I literally closed my eyes and I slept for three hours straight, even though the contractions were really, they were pretty close together. I just slept right through them because I was so tired. Wow. So this is now like around noontime and the midwife comes in and she says, okay, you're nine centimeters. (laughs) She's like, you're almost there. Right. And she asked if she could um, break my bag of water. And I said, you know what? I I feel really good. That nap really helped. Can we just wait like another hour or so and see where we're at? And Mm -hmm. she said, absolutely. So I I was up. I was moving around. I was like, come on, gravity. (laughs) Let's do do this. And after about an hour and a half, she came back in. I was still um, just nine centimeters. So, So she broke my bag of water. And... The couple of contractions after that were the only ones that I remember thinking to myself, this really hurts. Like, this is really painful. I don't know if I can do this. 
But after the first couple, I was like, okay, this is just kind of the new normal. And I was able to get on top of them and, and it didn't, I like, I wasn't stressing out about it. Gotcha. Now, who was, who was there with you? I, I know your wife. wife was there. Okay. Yep, so that's it. That's her. Okay. And then did your mom and your aunt and your sister just hang out in the waiting room the whole they time? They all were in the waiting room um, until about, I was told, um, until about 1 a.m. on on one day morning. And then everybody got sent home because okay. they like, were like, nothing's happening. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Okay. And then I forgot to ask, did you think about having a doula? Um, we kind of did at the time, um, but we ended up not getting one. And I, I always think to myself, like what differences could have been made because I really, and again, this nurse that was there on Sunday night was, could have been the most wonderful person on the planet. Like, but, but she was rude turning on the lights every yes. time she came in the room. Yeah. Yes. So I always think like if we'd had a doula that would have advocated for us, like what would, what would have happened? Mm. Because my wife just didn't feel she's not confrontational. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't, wasn't advocating. She was just like, Oh, okay. The nurse said, get up. So let's get up. <laughs> and so i I, she was an incredible coach the rest of the time. I seriously couldn't have done it without her. Like it was for sure a team effort, but that's the one part that I'm always like, Hmm, because gotcha. <laughs> that's where everything just stalled. And I know that it was cause I was just anxious and stressed and not, not feeling heard. I wasn't feeling supported. I was feeling like no one cared what I was trying to tell them. And I was just another number at that point. And right. they were trying to make things go faster. So I feel like a doula could have really helped in that situation for sure. Um, and I encourage people all the time to check out doulas because they don't replace your coach, right? They're kind of mm -hmm. like a third team member. Exactly. <laughs> they, they fulfill the, the circle, right? They round out the team. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm a huge advocate for doulas okay, in general. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So you were nine centimeters. She offered to break your water. You wanted to wait, and then she did, and the contractions went up in intensity. Yeah, they did, but only for a couple. Okay. And then, like I said, I was kind of like, okay, this is now the new normal. Okay. And then it took it another couple hours um, before I was fully 10 centimeters dilated because mm -hmm. um, my daughter, she was still really high up, so there wasn't, like, a ton of pressure from her head. So by the time um, she was – low enough and I was feeling an urge to be pushing and I was fully dilated. It was five o'clock in the evening. So I started to push actively at five in the evening and I pushed for about two hours and she, my contractions were so spaced out in that stage that I was pretty much losing all of the progress in between the contractions that I had made during the contraction. Right. So um, my midwife said we'd like to to start a Pitocin um, drip to augment the contractions, get them closer together. So instantly I was like, absolutely, because I'm exhausted. Right. <laughs> like I just, I just want this. I want her out. I want to be done. Like I just want to be done. So they started the Pitocin drip, and um, that was like around seven, seven thirty. And it seems like a long time, but I pushed for another um, two, two and a half hours after that, and she was out. So okay. it seems like that was a long time after the Pitocin, but really, like, there was nothing happening before the Pitocin. <laughs> so it's almost okay. like those first couple hours, like, out. Um, so she was born at 10.03 p.m., and 
I just like she came out and I had a baby and then we were in new parent mode and it wasn't until the next morning when our nurse um, came back in and she said we've been talking about you all morning because that was the longest labor we've ever seen she, and she was like, we clocked you in at 53 hours and I was like say what now say who what huh <laughs> <laughs> so in it I had no clue that it had like I was just in the moment. I wasn't right. keeping track of anything. But afterwards I was like, Oh my goodness. Fifty three wow. hours. Like <laughs> yeah. But then I was like, fifty three hours, excuse my French, but I'm a badass. Like I can do anything. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> that is very true. Now, yeah. how did you like stay so okay, so like mentally you weren't obviously you felt physically tired, but did you feel like like, how did you sort of, like, stay in the game during all that that yeah. long time? Or was it just, like, a moment-to-moment thing? Practice, yeah. Because I I just kept telling myself, okay, we're just going to focus on this next contraction. Like, I, I'm not going anywhere else except this next contraction. And I also went into, um, I knew all of my options for, like, medicinal pain management. And... My goal was to be unmedicated, but I was like, I'm not going to be a martyr. Like, if this is really painful, I want to enjoy the experience. So nothing was off the table for me. So I would kind of check in with myself for each contraction, say, okay, at the end of it, can I do another one of those? And my answer was always yes. But I had told myself ahead of time, if I ever answer no, then I'll ask for, for help. So it was just like this moment to moment. I just took things one contraction at a time. And that was really all, like, I didn't really think about anything else. Um, I had a playlist. Music is really, um, we're a very musical family. So I just, like, if I started to feel really stressed, I would put on certain songs. Or if I was starting to, like, lose my gusto, I would put on, like, you know, like a song like Happy. <laughs> you know, I'm like a song like that and I'd start dancing a little bit and like get myself energized again. And so it really was just moment to moment. That's why I was so surprised when they the nurse came in that next morning. Because I was like, I, I feel like it was just a couple hours. Right, right. But I just was not thinking about it in those terms. Wow. Now... I just, that's just a really long time. But it's, it's something that I hear commonly for women who do unmedicated birth who are successful with it is that you take it moment by moment and then you don't realize how long or how yeah. much time it takes. Yeah. It really, no concept, like, like zero. <laughs> just was doing what I was doing. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, do you feel like, do you remember whether or not the contractions with the Pitocin felt different or stronger? I think contractions on Pitocin are a little bit, feel a little bit more intense, but I'm curious what you, what you think. Yeah, I definitely remember them being more intense. And I remember um, when I was pushing before they gave the Pitocin, I could feel the contraction building. Like, you know how it kind of like, you start, it builds up to that peak. I could feel that process. Right. But after the Pitocin, I, I remember this, that I, they just kind of came like, I didn't have as much of a warning that they like it just went from like zero to a hundred. Gotcha. Um, and so before the Pitocin, I would do my, you know, two breaths. Like I'd breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe, and then I would get myself ready. But the Pitocin contractions, I'd be like, oh my gosh, it's here. Right. <laughs> I would just feel like, okay, here we go. Okay. Um, okay. But it wasn't 
like it didn't hurt more if that makes sense okay I think okay. it just felt more intense for me because I didn't have that time to work up to it it just gotcha. was like here it is here we go <laughs> okay 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 Hey, so you made it this far in the episode, and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favorite to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy Into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. And then I presume they did skin to skin and delayed core clamping. Yes, at the time, which this is only six years ago. So this tells us how far things have come, right? But um, at the time, our hospital did not do skin to skin as standard protocol. So we had to really advocate for that. Right. Um, and we had to really push for them to delay the clamping of the cord. Um, they were like, no, we don't do that here. I was like, but but you can, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> There's no reason you can't. Right. And even the mid the midwife didn't either? Yeah, she that just wasn't that wasn't their protocol at the time. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So she was the one that that was another one of the things that she was like, Yeah, there's no there's no reason we can't. We just don't usually. Um and then the OB came back and said, We don't do that. I was like, Well, you're gonna do it this time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've already talked about it and you can. And right. so that's happening. <laughs> Yeah, but now those same that same team at the same hospital because I I see my midwife that was with me when I gave birth to my daughter. She's now my gynec like she's my gynecologist. I gotcha. see her, and so we talk about this stuff all the time. And um, she's always like, "You wouldn't believe how fast things have changed. Like this is standard now. This is standard now. This is you know, and people don't have to fight for it anymore. So that yeah, makes awesome. Me yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So. Overall, do you feel like you were happy with your experience? It sounds like it. Yeah, absolutely. I I tried really hard not to have expectations mm -hmm. going in. My goal was to have a really empowering experience that would allow me to trust myself and my instincts as a parent. Uh, like that was really important to me that I could listen to my body and listen to what 
um, my instincts were telling me during the birth process so that mm-hmm. as a parent, I knew that if I listened to my instincts, that that was the right course. And that that's exactly what happened for me. You know, we didn't have a completely intervention-free birth, but at each step, we did what what felt as the right choice for us in that moment. And so I don't really, I don't regret anything that happened. The only thing that I might go back and change again was that overnight where the nurse kept waking me up, like have a doula present, tell my wife to get her big confrontational pants on or like, I don't know. (laughs) I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Everything else. It just, I was great during the whole thing. Like I was healthy. We didn't have any medical complications. My daughter didn't have any issues with, with stress. Like her heart rate was great the whole time. The medical team was beyond supportive. The, that nurse and the midwife that started their shift at 830 that morning, they stayed over their shift to, to be there when my daughter was born at 10. Oh, wow. Wow. Like it just was, I, I felt so supported and just like, like almost like my extended family was was there in the room because they we just had had that rapport throughout gotcha. the process. So, so you felt I, like that I, second nurse was just much better in terms of for sure. We still have coffee. <laughs> I, I keep in touch with her. Like really, truly, that made the whole difference for me was having her there and the fact that she was hearing me and you know yeah. letting letting me not letting me do what I wanted to do in terms of like you're running the show, but like hearing what my feelings were, what my concerns were and saying, okay, what if we do this or this and then helping us figure out that decision. So exactly. Yeah. There is nothing in this world like a good labor nurse. It can make all the difference in the experience. And I think people don't necessarily appreciate how important the uh, a labor nurse's role is because she's the one who's there actually most of the time. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. It, it made a huge difference. I, for me, I can't even, I don't even want to think about yeah. <laughs> if, overnight, if she had been the one during the day and like when my daughter was born, I, I can't even imagine it would have been completely different because I wouldn't have felt safe and supported. I would have been on edge and feeling anxious and I have no idea how it would have turned out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Feeling safe, feeling supported are just so important. Your body works so much better with the process of labor if you're feeling safe and supported in the, in the moment. Yeah. I feel like it's so important. And I thought that's just how it went. Like, Oh, this is what everybody experiences. And no, I had such an incredible um, birth experience that I I moved on. I never went back to my job as a marine mammal trainer. I actually became a childbirth educator because of that, because wow. of the experience I had. And my eyes were like, what, they got opened big yeah. time because I realized how lucky I was because it is not the norm. Like I was the exception. And that, that made me really sad, to be yeah. honest. For sure. So I try as much as I can to to share my story without being judgmental because mm-hmm. everyone's, you know, everyone's going to have different choices and preferences. And, you know, I don't do well in a hospital, but another mom maybe would be freaking out at home and wants all the bells and whistles and machines to be present. Sure. So everyone is going to be different. And I just really try to make sure that moms know that they they have the power that 
you know, it's their experience, their decisions, and do what I can because I don't want to be the exception anymore. Exactly. <laughs> I, want, I want what I experience to be the rule. So yeah. that's kind yeah. of my vision. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Now, if you had to pick like your top couple things that you learned during your pregnancy and your birth that you'd like to share, what would those be? I think it's really cool how it, it totally transformed like your, your birth transformed like your whole life. I mean, you have a new job now. (laughs) Yeah, it really did. Um, It really did. I think number one and the pregnancy part, I really, my mentality was I am not sick. I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't need to, like, obviously, I'm not going to go horseback riding. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, limit my activities. I don't need to, you know, be a blob on the couch. If I'm tired, then I'm going to sit. But I don't need to force myself to do anything specific. I'm going to stay active. I'm going to, you know, keep doing the things that make me happy and feel good. And so I just had that, A, I'm not sick, I'm pregnant. And B, I'm preparing for a marathon. And those two things made such a huge difference. So I, I feel like when you're pregnant, sometimes people treat you like you're sick. Right. So if you, like as the mom, if you cannot follow that lead <laughs> and not think of yourself in that way, mm-hmm. um, I feel like that would be a huge, make a huge difference. I agree. And then during the labor, I think the biggest lesson, and this kind of just goes with life in general for me now, honestly, is to just take it one contraction at a time. Yeah. Like take it one moment at a time, one day at a time, especially some days in parenting. Woo. (laughs) Girl, who you telling? Okay. Like just this morning. It was uh, (laughs) like just having that mentality of, you know, one breakfast at a time. Like we're going to get through breakfast and then we'll see how we are for that. And then we'll get through lunch. (laughs) Um, so just not projecting so far out into the future, just being in the moment and can I handle what's happening right now? Great. Right. right. And from there. Those are probably yeah. two biggest awesome. takeaways. Those are, those are great, great things to, to keep in mind and for women to know. Now, are there any other resources that you'd like to share that you've come across that you've found helpful either during, either during your pregnancy or since you've now um, become a childbirth educator? Yeah, um, I love the Spinning Babies website. Mm-hmm. I did not have the opportunity to use it when I was pregnant, but um, I feel like uh, I don't send people there and say, hey, try this at home kind of thing. Right. <laughs> um, but I feel like there's so much really great information um, on that website and, and conversation starters because I feel like everything's so behind closed doors with labor and birth. Yeah, we just have this vision of what it's like in the movies, and that, which <laughs> is not, not at all realistic. <laughs> so, yes, so people are like, "Oh, I'm going to be on the bed, hooked up to you know a million machines, and I'm going to pull my knees up to my ears, and that's how you give birth." And so I feel like the spinning baby site just gives you so many um, different perspectives and alternatives, and you know, just different things to do. So I, I really like that resource, and just in general. A, a childbirth class, um, I feel like is probably the best resource. And, and even I'm, I'm always like, I, cause I work at a hospital, I teach at a hospital, uh-huh. but I also have an online course that I had created. So I'm always like, I don't care if you're doing it with me, but do it with somebody. Right. <laughs> like, I agree. Take a course with somebody because 
you don't know what you don't know. And the more you understand what's normal and what you can expect and, um, you know, what options might come at you, the more tools that you have, all of that equals less anxiety and most likely a labor that's going to progress better and an experience that's going to feel better. So exactly. Um, I feel like the biggest resource just in general is taking a class regardless of where you, you take it from. Yeah, I agree for sure. There are lots of different options. Obviously, you know, I have an option. If you have an option, you have to find what works best for you. You're going to click with different people and styles and all that kind of stuff. But for sure, exactly. just find a childbirth education class, please. Yes, yes. I read a statistic last year that I, it said like only 20, 20 or 25% of new parents take a class. And I was like, this is crazy. Like yeah. people buying a new car more than they research having a baby <laughs> it's true yeah yeah and in, in the the system that folks are given birth in really a childbirth education class is key yeah i totally agree so that's one of the reasons that i i really was drawn um i i found you on instagram but i was just drawn to your account because the content you're posting and the, the words it was like you're in my head <laughs> you're so um, just on the same page about, especially that it, like, it doesn't matter how your baby comes into the world. What matters is that you feel supported and you feel safe and you feel like you had, like that you are the one that was in the driver's seat and things weren't done to you, right? Like all that kind of stuff. I feel like we're in alignment. Absolutely. And along those lines, why don't you tell us where folks can find you? Because we need to connect and work together. And guys, you can reach out and find different people who have, of course, those supportive messages. I don't think women can hear that enough during pregnancy. So tell us where women so tell us where women can connect with you and some of the things that you're working on. Absolutely. I um my services have kind of morphed as my child has grown. So I still have that online childbirth course. Um, but it's actually now part of a, a membership community that I have. So I, I now do parent coaching. Like it just keeps changing us <laughs> as I get into spaces <laughs> with her. But everything, um, all the information about me, how to work with me, um, other resources um, can be found on my website, which is happymamawellness.com. And I'm constantly updating that with new stuff. So that's that's the best place to go. Okay, awesome. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, Lynn, for agreeing to come onto the podcast and share your story. You have such lovely energy and um, I'm really glad that you came on. Me too. This is wonderful. And I love sharing my story. So thank you for the opportunity. All right. Wasn't that great? I really love Lynn's energy and her passion. Now, one thing I asked her after we finished recording that I forgot to ask while we were recording is, did she get pressured to get pain medication or an epidural? And the truth is she did say that she got asked a lot whether or not she wanted medication or an epidural. And she said actually her wife was really helpful in this regard and being kind of like a gatekeeper to keep that pressure off so she didn't feel like she had to get it. So that was one thing I wanted to mention that I forgot to ask during the episode. All right, now you know after every episode I do something called Nicole's Notes where I talk about my top 
three or four takeaways from the episode. So here are my notes from my conversation with Lynn. All right, number one, think about having a doula to advocate for you. Lynn mentioned how things maybe would have been a little bit different if she had a doula who could have advocated for her, especially she talked about around that instance of having the nurse who kept turning on the lights in the room. And I think that's a great example of where a doula can either speak up for you or um, sometimes that can be a little tricky because maybe it puts doulas in a little bit of an uncomfortable situation, like where they're talking to the hospital staff. Not all doulas feel as comfortable doing that, but a more experienced doula will, or they can also just say like when, you know, when it's a quiet moment in the room, say, Hey, you know, next time she comes in, maybe you can say, or ask your partner to say, do you mind not turning on the lights when you come in? So kind of giving you that language to help you or your partner speak up. So again, having a doula to advocate for you, whether they speak on your behalf or whether they help give you the language to speak up as well. All right, number two, Lynn talked about the importance of feeling safe and supported during your labor. This is so important, y'all. This is very, very important. Your labor goes so much better. It's smoother. You know, I would even say easier if you feel like you are safe and supported. When there is fear or mistrust surrounding your labor, your body just does not work as well. The process does not go the same. So it's really important that you feel safe and supported during your labor. Now, a really important part of doing that is point number three that I'm gonna talk about and that Lynn mentioned as well, and that is getting prepared for your birth. You definitely need to take some time and educate yourself before your birth. There are lots of options out there. Lynn said she did the Bradley method. There are lots of options out there and you have to find which option works best for you, but you definitely need to do some type of childbirth education. Of course, I have my signature program, the birth preparation course, but again, like I said, there are other options that work for folks and you just have to do a little bit of research, but please, please take the time to invest in some good comprehensive childbirth education. That is the best way in order to have that great energy surrounding your birth, to feel safe, to feel supported, to feel empowered going into your birth. So I cannot stress that enough. All right. So that is it for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in Apple podcast or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcast. And if you feel so inclined, I would love it if you leave that review for me, especially in Apple podcast that helps other women find the show. It helps the show to grow. And like I said, I love giving a listener shout out. So leave that review for me in Apple podcast. If you don't mind, I would be most, most appreciative. Now, next week on the podcast, I am going to do an overview of all the tests that are done during pregnancy and why each of those tests are done. This came from a question that somebody posed in my Facebook uh, group community. As a matter of fact, if you're not part of that group, you should join it. It's all about pregnancy and birth 
community on Facebook. I can link to it in the show notes. And what I'm going to do in the episode is talk about all the tests that are done. I've created a handy guide that you can download as well. So you can have that information handy for you. So be sure to come on back next week. And until then, I wish you a healthy and happy pregnancy and birth. Today's episode is brought to you by Women's Wellness Coaching by Dr. Nicole Calloway Rankins. Head to ncrcoaching.com to check out my free one-hour mini course on how to make your birth plan, as well as my comprehensive online childbirth education class, the Birth Preparation Course. With over eight hours of content and a private course community, the Birth Preparation Course will leave you knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Head to ncrcoaching.com to learn more. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.